Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody. This is Janice Malone, host of Film Festival Radio Show. And I have yet another fascinating interview to share with you that was done earlier today. I'm speaking with the director of the new documentary film, The Niagara Movement, The Early Battle for Civil Rights is the full title. Short title is The Niagara Movement. It is directed by Academy Award nominee Lawrence R. Hott, H-O-T-T. And this documentary will be premiering on Monday, November 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on WNED PBS for viewers in the Buffalo, New York, Toronto area. And later, after... November 6th, it will be streaming to all of audiences. You can go to the Buffalo Toronto Public Media's YouTube channel, and you can see the full one-hour documentary right there. And this is a very important film, especially with this time in history, and especially American history, Black history, really all of American history. Let me tell you just a little bit about it, and our guest, Lawrence Arhat, will tell us the rest. The next, the Niagara Movement, the early battle for civil rights, the film delves into the national crusade that really did shape uh, the civil rights landscape of the 20th century all the way up until today. And as I said, director, Academy Award nominee Lawrence Arhat, our guest, is the director of it. And it it really explores how the then black elite society in the early years of the 20th century, three particular black leaders, sociologist W.E.B. Du Bois, publisher, newspaper publisher, William Monroe Trotter, and educator orator Booker T. Washington. These gentlemen at that time wore the who's who of the... Um, the beginning of the civil rights movement. This was around 1905 or so. Now, even though these gentlemen, their names were became household names, they did not exactly agree among themselves about the different aspects of how the civil rights movement for African Americans should Start and how it should uh, be carried out, I should say, not start, but how the civil rights movement and rights and equality for African Americans should be carried out. They just did not agree. Yeah, it's very fascinating. The Niagara Movement only lasted four years, but it did help shift national black consciousness and really place an emphasis on the fight for full and equal rights for black Americans. The um, Niagara movement also led to the founding of the NAACP. It was the impetus for the organization to be founded by W.E.B. Du Bois and other activists in 1909. So um, the lasting effects of the Niagara movement, again, it really uh, led all the way up until now to a lot of the causes and a lot of the organizations that are have fought and are still fighting for civil rights uh, for everyone, uh, minorities uh, in particular. So again, the film will be shown on Monday, November 6th on the PBS 
WNED for viewers in the Buffalo, Toronto area. And then it starts at 9 p.m. And it will be streamed after the 6th for national audiences on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media's uh, YouTube channel. And if you'd like to get even more information about the film, go to their website, the Niagara Movement dot org for more information. There are major uh, educational resources, bonus materials, especially if you are in the teaching educational field. Field uh, information on. Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, now X. Information is found on Facebook and Instagram. For Instagram, go to at W-N-E-D, as in dog, P-B-S. But again, just go to the website, the Niagara Movement.org. Lots of interesting, helpful, factual information that uh, my guests, Lawrence are hot and I are going to be chatting about that came from the film. So please stay tuned. Listen to the uh, interview. I think you will definitely find some information about it that may hopefully be beneficial to you, especially if you are an educator in the uh, the field of teaching or of such. So let's uh, go to the tape. Let's go to the interview. My interview with director Lawrence R. Hot director of the new upcoming documentary film, The Niagara Movement, The Early Battle for Civil Rights. So let's take a listen to it right now. All right, listeners, my next guest is on board here. I cannot wait to speak to him. I've been uh, talking about this uh, upcoming interview for a while here. His name is Lawrence Earl Hot. He is an Academy Award nominated filmmaker. So many different great documentaries and films, uh, several nominations and awards, I may add. And currently, uh, Lawrence, you have a new film, documentary film, The Niagara Movement, The Early Battle for Civil Rights, that will be premiering. Uh, November 6th on WNED PBS Buffalo Toronto area. So thank you for being my guest and tell us about, I'm going to call the short title the Niagara movement. This is a very important film. Tell us more about it. Well, this is a film about a major inflection point in civil rights history. Back in the turn of the last century, there's a battle going on among civil rights leaders. Uh, the most famous one was W.E.B. Du Bois, and he was pitted against Booker T. Washington. I mean, the names are probably familiar to you, but a lot of people don't really know what was going on back then or what was going on with civil rights. The problem was in the Jim Crow era, there was so much terror happening. I mean, there were lynchings happening every day. It added up to thousands over time. And the black community uh, was trying to just find safety and, and education and make a life. And Booker T. Washington was the head of the Tuskegee School in Alabama. And he had a philosophy that African-Americans should keep their heads down, get uh, education and the vocations and trade, and not make waves. And they would make progress that way. And for a time, the other great leader of the, of the civil rights Era at that time was W.E.B. Du Bois, and he agreed with he agreed with Booker T. Washington, but the lynchings didn't stop, the terror didn't stop, the deprivations, the 
segregation that prevented people from getting ahead didn't stop. W.E.B. Du Bois broke with Booker T. Washington, joined forces with a man named Monroe Trotter, who was a real radical, a firebrand out of Boston. And these guys formed the Niagara Movement. And it was the first really major national civil rights movement. At the time, it was mostly men. Well, in fact, it was all men, adamantly all men. And then they got such uh, uh, blowback from the women who were basically the, uh, the, the pillars of the black community that they brought women in after they found they were founded in 1905. And they started to bring lawsuits and demonstrations, and they had a, a, a declaration of principles that read very much like the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and this movement, through a lot of things that we tell in the film, it's exciting events and a lot of, uh, unfortunately, terrible riots, eventually leads to the NAACP. So this is uh, a time in history that a lot of Americans don't know about, but it's an important time. And it not only brought us the NAACP, but it brought us the modern civil rights movement, and it leads directly to Black Lives Matter. Amazing. Now, the film also uh, takes a look, kind of delves into uh, the black elite and the black intellectual society of that era, which is, I mean, yeah, there have been some books and films about it, but not very many. Uh, what surprised you about what black people could do in that era as far as being a part of the black elite? Well, there was a big difference between uh, the North and the South, of course. And in fact, that's one of the elements that comes out in the film, because W.E.B. Du Bois was from Massachusetts, uh, born actually not far from where I am right now in Western Massachusetts. And Monroe Trotter, uh, who originally was his, his partner in developing the Niagara movement, grew up in Boston as a wealthy man. And both of them went to Harvard. In fact, uh, their time there overlapped uh, for a while. So here you have these Massachusetts black intellectuals who are the leaders in their field. Uh, going to Harvard University at a time when that was rare for, for black men or women. And they were pitted against Booker T. Washington, who uh, was a slave until the age of nine, uh, and then uh, pulled himself up by his bootstraps and you know was a savvy, intelligent, and as some say conniving man. Um, and here so you have a north-south battle between northern intellectuals and, and somebody in the south who is they're very aware of how dangerous it is to be in this position. And they have very different worldviews. And, of course, you know, this comes up today a lot in politics. You know, put yourself in my shoes. See how I have to live. Um, and that's what Booker T. Washington would, would say to them. And these these sometimes were real physical battles. In fact, in the film, uh, there's a scene uh, that historians call the Boston Riot, where Monroe Trotter, the Boston intellectual I mentioned, um, actually started screaming and yelling at Booker T. Washington in a church, and his sister actually uh, got up and stabbed a cop with a hat pin uh, that were arrested. And this actually is the, is the, is the moment when W.E.B. Du Bois says, wait a second, if Booker T. Washington is going to press charges against this man for basically free speech, Monroe Trotter, and send him to jail, then there's something wrong with the way he's running his civil rights movement, the way he's running, uh, his act, his activism. Uh, and this leads directly to the forming of the Niagara movement, saying we have to be more radical. We, we have to push harder. Uh, and we have to be national. Uh, and we have to bring lawsuits and we have to defend people 
Uh, we can't just sit back and hope. That is amazing to hear. Uh, gosh, I mean, you th- we hear these names. We've all heard these names down through history. And to think that there was a a divisiveness in the ideologies of how this whole racism thing should be dismantled among them. But I never thought about there was there could have been some actual physical violence. That's interesting. Yeah, well, you know, it 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 was always very tense between them. And then uh, one of the reasons that the Niagara movement fell apart was that Monroe Trotter was was a volatile character, and he didn't get along with people. And he also just never got it in his head that women should part to be part of the movement. And as we say in the in the film, there's a, a woman in the film named Tammy Fletcher, who's an historian who studies this. Says, how could you leave out 15,000 women that were members of the uh, National Colored Women's Association? You know, this is the backbone of civil rights at the time. Why would you leave them out? You know, it's, it's like like leaving money on the table. You know, you have you have power right here in your pockets. And and Monroe Trotter just never understood that. Um, and each of these people. Goes on, they, you know, they, they continue on in their lives for, for a while. Uh, Monroe Trotter is actually more famous for having opposed the screening of Birth of a Nation in Boston. And W.E. Du Bois lives until 1963. In fact, he dies the night before the March on Washington. Uh, and at this point, he's been basically thrown out of the civil rights movement for proposing communism and goes to Ghana. Uh, so the strife within the civil rights movement, uh, you know, is always, always there. Uh, there's always internet in battles in, in, in any group of people, but this is particularly interesting because these guys were the leaders. They were the intellectual basis of, of the civil rights movement. Um, one of the stories in the in the film we tell is about the person that they brought a lawsuit for, which was Barbara Pope, who refused to move to the back of a of a train. She's an early Rosa Parks, and um, I think people have started to when they learn about Rosa Parks now they start to realize. Uh, she was the one we know and got the most publicity in the 50s, but there were many other people who were Rosa Parks. You probably heard of Plessy versus Ferguson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that famous case that, that, that said separate is equal. Um, but Plessy, that Plessy, Homer Plessy, um, that case was set up. He, he worked with the, the civil rights movement at, uh, at the time, um, and the railroad companies and the police who all wanted to get this resolved. The railroad company actually didn't want segregation. This is something I, interesting I learned while making the, the film. They said, wait a second, this costs us extra money to have separate cars. It's a lot easier if we have the same cars. And so they wanted Plessy to win, oddly enough. I always, you know, I always saw in my naive way, oh, well, the railroad companies were, you know, they were just as, as, uh, as racist as the Ku Klux Klan in that area. Uh, whether they were racist or not, I don't know, but the priority was making more money and separate cars wasn't good for them. So, um, you didn't ask the question, the question, but one of the things is what, you know, what most surprised you about making this film? Well, there were things ab- about what was happening at the time, particularly, um, in the, in the lawsuits, but I had no idea, uh, that the echoes of those lawsuits came over and over and over again. And the most important one is Brown versus Board of Education, um, which you could draw straight line from the, that case and the people brought that case uh, right back to the Niagara movement, bringing a major case about uh, whether separate is equal on the trains of Virginia. 
did outside people, uh, non-black people, did they know about the divisiveness that was going on among the Niagara Movement leaders? Or oh, what? that's an excellent, excellent question. Uh, one other thing that surprised me about the film that goes right to that question you, you asked is about the black newspapers. They were three, four hundred, maybe more black newspapers at the time. Uh, and this battle was fought out in the papers. But one of the things that made uh, the, some of the civil rights leaders so angry at Booker T. Washington is that he controlled a lot of the black press. He owned presses. He paid the salaries of people. Uh, and they, were, they, they, they just viewed vitriol at W.E.B. Du Bois and, and Monroe Trotter. So Monroe Trotter, having some money of his own, he starts a newspaper called The Guardian in 1902 in Boston that starts attacking Booker T. Washington in the press. And the black newspapers were read by the black community. Some, some cities had four or five newspapers, uh, and they got the newspapers from the other cities. Um, so the, the, the communication, you know, it, it's obvious if you know anything about, about technology that at that time there was very few phones. There was no radio. There was no, no television, certainly no internet you know, that didn't exist at all. How do people communicate? It was through the press. And the black press, was, this battle was fought out in the black press, and Booker T. Washington really tried to maintain control, and at the same time, near his opponents. That is just fascinating to me. I just, because, you know, I guess I'm too much, uh, when it comes to the civil rights movement and that whole era going back, I, you know, I tend to sometimes have these rose-colored glasses on to think that, yeah, it was difficult, of course. Right, we, roma- we romanticize yes, uh, yes. These, these, real, these real people. Who, mm-hmm. who had egos. I'll give you another example. Um, there had to have been resentment because Booker T. Washington got funded by Andrew Carnegie uh, oh, in, the, in, in what present-day dollars was been many, many millions of dollars, and it was personal funding. So not only did he fund the, the school along with other white liberals, um, but he gave a, a treasure chest, chest, basically, to Booker T. Washington so that he could live comfortably. So how do you think that would make other people feel if they didn't have those sponsors? Uh, there's great photographs of Booker T. Washington on the stage at Carnegie Hall with, with uh, Mark Twain and, and other luminaries. You know, this is this has got to build resentment. Uh, so that was going on at the time. Uh, we see, you know, we see that today. You, you know, you see it among among rock rock stars, mm-hmm. rap, you know, hip hop rap stars, and the money they have and bling. You know, and other people, you know, talking, you know, you see it in politics and who, who is, who is, uh, songs are used or who is, re- who represents a politician. Um, so that kind of resentment is, that's part of human nature. But you're right, we, we tend to romanticize the civil rights movement and don't really look deeply at, um, some of the conflicts that were going on. Although I think if you, if you look into, into, into the 60s, uh, with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, you'll, you'll also find serious Complex, and some of them, you know, resulted in uh, in violence. When did you first decide that you wanted to do a film about the Niagara Movement? Well, it's really not what I decided. What happened was that WNED Buffalo, their uh, CEO at the time, Don Boswell, is an African African American man who had been working in Buffalo for twenty years, and the station is always looking for national films that have some connection to Western New York. So I've been working with them for 20 years on films like The War of 1812, which, which takes place in Western New York, 
or Frederick Law Olmsted, the, the uh, urban uh, park designer who also um, did a lot of work in the Buffalo Niagara area. Um, so this is a film with the, in the very title, Niagara Movement is related to Western New York. Um, so they worked on this film for 15 years trying to get funding, and then things have changed a great deal in the last few years. Uh, you know, if you just say the word George Floyd, and then all the other uh, police abuse cases out there, and the consciousness of, about civil rights has arisen greatly in the public mind. So after years and years of trying to get this film made, finally the funders paid attention and the money came through. So this is the right time for this kind of film. And there's a lot of other uh, black history films and series being made right now. It's in the, it's the zeitgeist. It's, 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 it's in the air. You know, this is what uh, American society is dealing with right now. So even though this film was conceived 15 years ago, the reason it's getting, it got made now is because of what's been happening. Absolutely. And it is so needed. And once again, it uh, will be making its premiere November 6th on WNED PBS Buffalo, Toronto area. But uh, how can the rest of the country, is there, are there plans to release it nationally or, or what? Yes. Yes. Well, WNED has a YouTube channel. My understanding is um, after Monday the 6th, it'll be available. Anybody who wants find it online and on the PBS website as well. But all the stations will have access to it, and they will be showing it uh, starting. They have the right to show it starting after November. My understanding is most of the stations will show it in February, which is Black History Month. Oh, good. So uh, that'll be in 2024. Okay. But uh, people around the world can see it on the YouTube channel starting next week. Well, I'm a YouTube junkie. I need to go to a self-help program about my addiction to YouTube, but <laughs> I really do. Uh, and then I also want to mention that uh, the film has its own website, theniagaramovement.org, and more information there. So, yes, yeah, and it's, uh, there's a lot of information for educators, people in the mm-hmm. classroom. Uh, so this is, you know, it's ideal for, for teaching this history. And it's uh, an hour long, which is... Uh, yes. Uh, the digestible amount. For sure. Well, Lawrence, tell us, what's your next project? Are you already working on it or what? Um, well, actually, I'm very involved with consulting on a variety of, of films. And uh, I am on the board of a film school uh, where we help teach people how to do this kind of work, how to do uh, in, uh, social conscious films and uh, films about the environment, uh, films about communities. So my, my next project is actually working with uh, younger filmmakers and mentoring people. Oh, that's um, wonderful. So I've gotten to that stage in life where it's time for me to do that. That is wonderful. It's the ultimate give back, so to speak. Yeah. It's I hope excellent. so. I, excellent. So I really highly encourage people. Uh, let me ask you this last question. This is really the last question. Yes. Why should non-black people watch the Niagara Movement? Well, for one thing, we all live together in this country, right? This affects everybody. Uh, civil rights this is not just for people of color, right? It's it's for all of us. Uh, our history is intertwined com- completely. Um, so we're diminished if we don't understand uh, the history of other people's struggles. They're they're part of our own struggles. Um, also, it's just important to under- understand. Um, what happened before so we understand what's happening now. I think if Americans knew that came 
during the post-Reconstruction era of the rise of the Ku Klux Klan, the number of lynchings across the country, and how terrified and how horrible this was. This is truly what influenced the Niagara movement, because they looked out, particularly W.E.B. Du Bois and Monroe Trotter, looked out at what was happening across the country with information information that was uh, a lot of it supplied by a black woman, Ida B. Wells, and saying we can't let this stand. You know, this is there were there are signs I've seen in people protesting and uh, saying the United States is the only country in the world where people are burned at the stake. Right. That's how horrifying it was. So uh, if you don't know that history as a white person, how are you going to understand the anger and the rage and the reason we have to continue to struggle? That is just still shocking just to hear, just listen to that statement of truth, because it, it was fact. It happened. I I am amazed. I still can't get over what you said earlier about how... <sighs> All of these women that had a part in this movement and they just kind of left them out. It's like, how could you do that? But I guess you could in that. Well, I could, I could be, actually, you're, you're, you know, what you just said sounds exactly like the, about the, like the interview subject uh, in the film who, who says that. Um, yeah, how could they? How clueless, how clueless were they? But that was remedied in a year after they were founded. Uh, so 19.5, they're all male. 1906, when they have their first big meeting in Harper Ferry, uh, then women appear in the movement. And in fact, the first person that they represent is a woman, Barbara Pope, uh, who has a tragic, tragic story, which we, we tell in, in the film, because she wins her case. Believe it or not, she wins her case mm-hmm. all the way up to the Virginia Supreme Court. But they knock down her award from thousands of dollars to a penny. Oh. Right? And she is so embarrassed by what she's been through. Well, actually, we don't know what happened. We know that she did, that she was hanged. And at the time, it was declared a suicide. We don't go into this in the film. Uh, there is some suspicion now that, that it was a homicide. Um, there's a good film there for somebody else to make. <laughs> have at it, filmmakers out there. Definitely have at it. Because as we see even today, in many cases where African Americans today, 2023, uh, found hung and and the same excuse oh it was a suicide even in this yeah. late era is still yeah being right there's always there's always that question of what really happened mm-hmm. absolutely um, and this uh you know the one thing about the niagara movement is that it is people some people know the phrase historians professors of african-american history know it the public doesn't know about it That's there's right. very few if any, actually about it, it's always part of of uh, the biographies of the people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's starting to, people are starting to recognize that this point, the thing changed, this inflection point needs to be studied greater. Definitely uh, does. More greatly. Um, so I'm, a very, I'm very lucky that I got to be a part of it and to learn this history. When you make a film, a history film, you dive in and you live and breathe that material for a while and it informs, informs everything else. You do. Uh, it's one of the reasons I stayed in film for 45 years. Well, you have definitely uh, just, your body of work just speaks for itself. I mean, 
It just does. And so this is another jewel that you can put in your crown jewels of uh, <laughs> completed film. May get another Oscar nomination. You'd never know. We'll see. Well, we'll see. But, you know, um, I'm actually uh, on the committee that helps judge the, uh, the films for the Academy Awards, both documentaries and everything else. Oh. And uh, I know there's many other ways of getting awards and many other ways of looking at it. But uh, uh, some of the some of the other awards are just as meaningful. Um, so I encourage filmmakers, just go out and make the best film you can. Don't worry about the awards. Um, and now uh, the, with the way we can get films out on, on YouTube and other platforms, um, it's really just a matter of getting letting people know it's out there. That's exactly correct. It's- so correct. Well, again, thank you so much for giving me some insight. I'm going to be thinking about parts of our conversation all day. Hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really pleased that you uh, had me on the show and your questions were excellent. I appreciate the time you put into it. Well, I thank you for taking the time. You are obviously a very busy man. And uh, I'm just very proud, uh, you know, to help spread the word about the Niagara movement. Again, premieres November 6th, WNED, PBS, Buffalo, Toronto. But after November 6th, as you said, uh, people can go to their uh, YouTube channel and see it all over the world. So the website, theniagaramovement.org. So once again, sir, thank you so much, Mr. Hot. I really appreciate it. Okay. Okay, thank you, Dennis. I, I enjoyed enjoyed talking with you very much. Okay, take care then. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Mm-hmm.